depends on where you're placing your attention. If you're following the news, then you probably feel a lot more worry. But if you're thinking about, you know, where's the opportunity here for, for me personally or for humanity or for my business, you know, there's people become millionaires and billionaires in times of crisis because people that find solutions quickly, they get out there and they help people with their solutions. So it kind of depends on where you're placing your focus um, during this time. It's going to dictate how you feel. This is Debbie and welcome to another episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditched the norm to become location independent. We'll learn how to create sustainable laptop lifestyles from the experts that will help us achieve freedom from our nine to five. Hey friend, are you looking to land a remote gig ASAP? Well, did you know that we not only have a ton of online jobs you can apply to on our site, but now we are also sending them straight to your inbox. I'm happy to announce that we will be sending our email subscribers legit online jobs every Wednesday. We have done hours of research so you don't have to. If you want to be the first one to hear about the remote gigs we find, go to theoffbeatlife.com to subscribe. On this episode, I speak with Derek, who is a former cyclist turned professional author and lifestyle entrepreneur. Derek is known as a unique business strategist who helps unconventional entrepreneurs and thought leaders grow their businesses. So listen on to find out how Derek leads entrepreneurs and thought leaders in transformative adventures around the world. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us. I'm really excited to be with my guest today. I'm here with Derek. Hey Derek, how are you? Debbie, I'm doing great. How are you? I am wonderful, well, with our circumstances, and <laughs> even through this circumstance. But can you tell us a little bit about you and why you live an offbeat life? Well, I've always, as a kid, wanted to build adventure into my life. You know, I grew up being a Boy Scout and just spending a lot of time in the woods. And I tried to design a career a couple times around adventure. And this is actually the third time I've tried the third career I wanted. The first was I was going to be a pro bike racer and travel the world racing bikes. Turns out that's actually really hard to make it as a pro athlete. And I didn't have quite the same natural genetic gifts as a, as a lot of these, you know, Olympians and, and all these phenomenal athletes. So then I tried again in academics. I decided to work in Yellowstone National Park. As a microbiologist, I was just trying to discover new species living in the hot springs up there in the boiling acid hot springs, extremophiles. And that actually, that was really fun when I was in the field doing field work. But most of the time, which I didn't realize, I was spending in a dark room in front of a computer or in front of a electron microscope. And so I wasn't outside very much. So it wasn't actually as adventurous as I hoped. So I pivoted again. I said, okay, I really want to double down on being outside and adventurous, but I also learned from grad school that I loved teaching. So I wanted to build teaching in. And about that time I read the four hour work week. This was about seven or eight years ago. And so I just started piecing together these little, these little bits, stealing what was working from other people, stealing from Tim Ferriss and Lewis Howes and slowly piece together this adventurous life that I've been doing for the last six or seven years. So can you tell us a little bit more about what you're currently doing to keep your life more adventurous? Yeah, you know, and especially given there's a couple constraints that 
I've experienced recently. One, I have two young kids. So I went from being single and moving fast and just sort of exploring the world quickly to now I have a wife and kids and also a house. And now we're quarantined because of this virus. So there's all these sort of physical constraints. So my adventures have shifted a little bit to more what can I explore in my own mind? What can I explore during dream time? I've been really getting into lucid dreaming and other, you know, non-ordinary states of consciousness through through breath work or plant medicines and, you know, really doubling down on the mental adventure, which doesn't require any physical travel. <laughs> well, that's really what we need right now, especially with everything that's happening and we can't really leave our house unless it's for necessity. So this is really insane for somebody who's so used to being on the road, even with your family, what kind of toll has this taken on you mentally specifically? You know, when you get used to something and you just have your patterns of life, I was used to living out of a carry on bag for many years and all of a sudden, we bought a house in November to, to kind of settle down. We were we were living in Portugal. We were going to move to Romania. Our pattern had been we were you know move slowly every three months from one country to another. And my wife said, you know, I'm just kind of sick of this, and I'd like to establish more roots. There's a balance now that I'm a parent. I'm thinking, you know, like okay, there's an advantage, right, to kids seeing the world, exploring the world, and experiencing different cultures. And there's a huge advantage to consistent, stable relationships growing up. So you feel this safety and support in having your friends. And that's what I experienced growing up. My elementary school friends are still some of my closest friends 30 years later. So I wanted to to give them that opportunity. So it seemed like the right time for us to kind of pick a home base, which is in St. Louis, the same city where I grew up. You redefine your routines, what is the new normal? And all of a sudden, this this really tickled me. Two years in a row, all of a sudden we're doing the same activities, like the same festivals, the same, you know, trick-or-treating on the same street. And it's like, it's really interesting to see life and the cycles of the seasons and, and the patterns of a place from one spot versus trying to see the whole world and just like getting these bits and pieces, even if you stay for a few months. I don't know. It's just, it's just, I'm kind of like just observing the difference between these two staying still and everyone right now, right. is slowing down. We're caught in our houses. So everyone is being a little bit more still and there's more space for reflection, for, for understanding where we've come from and, and who we are right now in our lives. What about as a parent? <laughs> because a lot of my friends are teachers. I used to be a teacher and I used to be a therapist for kids. And my fiance, he is also a therapist right now. And so many parents are going crazy, especially when you have multiple children like you do, Derek. How do you keep sane and how do you keep everything balanced? Because you still have to make sure that obviously you're taking care of them. You're taking care of your business. How is that going for you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of like a relay, I guess. I wake up with the kids. Then while I'm feeding them breakfast and sort of getting them ready for their day, I'm also planning my day. So a couple hours in, 
I hand off the kids, hand off the baton, so to speak, boom, go to work, do, do little short bursts of work, you know, two and three hours at a time. My work days tend to be, you know, let's say three, three hour bursts, but they're kind of split up. Right. So, so we're relaying back and forth. So once, once my wife starts to get too frustrated with the kids, maybe that's a great time for me to stop work for a little bit. And I focus for a few hours. So we, we sort of bounce the kids back and forth if we're all, if we're both cooped up in the house. Yeah. It really is about trying to manage the sanity of everybody in the household. It's, it's no different. If you were living with a group of adults, you would be doing the same thing, but kids obviously don't know how to keep a house neat, right? So you're adding <laughs> layers, you're adding just layers of destruction uh, that a, a group of adults wouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. You definitely have to be strategic with your new routine and having your kids with you and being in an enclosed space for this long of a time and God knows how long. But it's also really interesting, and I was talking to somebody about this before, how you know, even a few weeks ago, a few months ago, obviously all of our lives were all about being on the phone. Even when we're with our family and friends, we're constantly on our phones, on our computer, and we were just unconnected in a lot of ways. But now that this has happened, we are trying to get more connected face to face. We want to be able to hold each other, to talk to each other in person, mm. to shake a sh stranger's <laughs> hand even, you know, because it's things that we really took for granted is something that we're hoping to have. <laughs> yes. I mean, what's reminding me is, is that pave paradise, put up a parking lot, like you don't know what you've got till it's gone. <laughs> Yes, I love that song. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just like remove something and then you can appreciate it. Then we'll get it back and it'll be great. Yeah. I think that's really what I'm trying to appreciate in this time, in this moment right now, because it all seems really bleak, especially if you talk to people and you watch the news. I try not to do that as much as possible. Otherwise, we're just going to be like under the table, <laughs> panicking under the blankets, just like rocking ourselves back and forth. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was I was really curious, just like everybody, to to track sort of what was developing, and but eventually I stopped reading the news, and now I just have other people tell me what's going on because it's the same as the news ever. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna get more clicks and more reads, the more fear they can trigger. So it's going to shape your thinking probably if you follow the news a lot. Depends on where you're placing your attention. If you're following the news, then you probably feel a lot more worry. But if you're thinking about, you know, where's the opportunity here for, for me personally or for humanity or for my business, you know, there's people become millionaires and billionaires in times of crisis because people that find solutions quickly they get out there and they help people with their solution. So it kind of depends on where you're placing your focus during this time. It's going to dictate how you feel. I think that's really true. And also the fact that there's so much time for us right now. Well, unless you have like a ton of family at home and you can't concentrate, but <laughs> otherwise there should be, hopefully there's more time for us to really reflect and also more time for us to start maybe thinking about other ways we can create income with our business or side hustles, things like that. Now talking about that, Derek, how are you able to create income as a digital nomad and remote worker? Yeah, so probably the biggest portion of my business is the business coaching that I do. I help thought leaders in a variety of different spaces 
authors, coaches, speakers, online course creators, uh, maybe retreat hosts. And we often sort of create a, a unique business model to how different pieces of their interests, different pieces of their skill sets can fit together to, to create a business. So business coaching for these types of people is probably half of my income. And then I write books. I never expected to be an author, but I've written, I think, five books in the last four years. So it's that, that kind of sort of happened accidentally. So I write a lot of books, have my own online courses. And um, for a while, I was hosting some adventure trips. I haven't hosted one in a little while. We're, we're canceling our upcoming one because, you know, because of the virus. I don't, I don't want to try to market travel in right now, which which I think would be a pain. So yeah, and, I, and I'm always looking for new opportunities. And I guess um, with, we could talk about aff- affiliate sales as well. You know, sometimes I have I have a lot of great creative, both clients and friends and peers that have amazing programs. So I don't have to create those. I often help sell and promote other people's work as well. So that's so that's a part of it. I love that fact about affiliates because people do the work and then you get money as long as you market it well. So as long as you're a good marketer, it's good to go. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and sometimes you'll 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 be like, "Oh, I really want to create a course about blank" because you really like it, you know something about it. But if somebody already has a really good course, then you have to decide, "Okay, do I want to create a course on the same topic or do I want to coach on the same topic as somebody else or are they doing it better?" or as good as I could do it. And also, because so many people have these these great programs and courses, it also forces you to double down on what's unique about you and how you teach and what you know and, and your your own unique position in the market. So I, so I think something is really helpful. And so you can decide whether you actually need to create something and sell it on your own, or if you want to sell somebody else's that's already done. Now, going back to when you first started your business as a coach, how did you get from being a cyclist, a pro cyclist, and microbiologist? Because those two are very different already. And now to a business coach, how did that turn into this current business right now? Yeah. So when I read the four-hour workweek, I was super excited to start a business that I could take anywhere, a portable business. And I reasoned that places like Vietnam, which is where it was the first place I went, estimated cost of living is about $1,000 a month. So I said, if I can earn $1,000 a month with a remote business, then I basically have an infinite runway to build a brand, to, to learn business. And so I started coaching racing cyclists. And I had essentially four clients, $250 a month, there's your thousand bucks. And it was, you know, I was doing, doing remote calls once a week with these, with these athletes. Um, these were athletes that eventually wanted to become pro cyclists, just teaching based on my experience. And that's kind of how I've approached coaching all along. I see a demand or there's a request. People keep asking me about something. So when I started my podcast, The Art of Adventure, five years ago, I think you you do this. You have a podcasting mentorship or a, something like that. I think I saw. You know, people were asking me, "How do you start a podcast?" A lot of times, we would meet in my, you know, in the living room of my villa, and we would do these podcast launch boot camps, where it'd be like five or six people, and we get together every week for 
six weeks and we'd all launch podcasts and we'd practice interviewing each other and we, you know, help each other design the cover art and use our network to find guests and all these things. So it was, so it was really fun. And so whenever I needed money, I would run one of these boot camps, and uh, I think we were charging, you know, five hundred bucks for the for the whole program. So if six people, you know, I would make three thousand dollars and uh, do that a few times a year. And again, this is just kind of breaking even, right? Low cost of living in places in the world. Like I was living in Bali at the time, wasn't banking a lot of money, wasn't spending a lot of money. So I didn't. We call it coconut cash now, but you don't have to earn a ton in order to be able just to sustain your lifestyle, which is, which is why so many, I think, digital nomads go to these low-cost places. One of the things that you really said that is so important is finding what people need and want and starting a business from that. So that's really one of the easiest ways to do this, right? I think a lot of times people make this so much more complicated than it is. And it's like you don't need to reinvent anything. Sometimes it's just asking people what they want or listening to what their pain points are and then creating a business from that. Yeah, definitely. And and once you've done this a couple times, you can sort of you can kind of go about it two ways. Like you can start a business based around a problem that you're currently solving for yourself and just solve it for everybody else at the same time. So, you know, friends have started like they're they're trying to keep track of their annual goals. So they create an app that does it for them. And then they, you know, all of a sudden that's just available as a tool solution for everybody. Then the, the other way that I often go about it is what have I already figured out in my life. I figured out how to write a book, publish it. I figured out how to start a podcast, figured out how to run a remote business. So I can just teach from experience. And then, you know, as as I'm continuing to develop the business, I can sort of share, here's what I'm doing right now. Here's what's working in marketing. Here's what's working in building a network, all these things. And so a lot of my clients, I'm just sharing up-to-date stuff. You know, here's what we're doing now. Here's what we're seeing. Here's what's working and what's not working. Yeah. Now, right now, currently, what is the biggest setback that you're encountering as an entrepreneur? Because someone may look at you, Derek, and say, well, he's doing really well. He's traveling the world. Now he has a base. He has a beautiful family. Everything must be going so well, right? Little did they know that there is still issues and problems. It's just different and different parts of your business and different times in your business? Yeah, I think that's that's a great question. What I'm working on right now is learning Facebook ads. I've built this entire business and this is, you know, I think because there's such a leverage in social media and online marketing, they double down on that skill set right away. And I've grown my business pretty much entirely based on personal relationships. So, you know, just going and building relationships with ideal customers and clients or podcast guests or whoever. And so the sort of looking and saying like, here are the skills that I think I need to develop for the long term for this, for this career, having a solid sense of paid Facebook ads or Instagram ads will really help. Even if I don't end up, you know, even if I end up hiring an agency to run these ads for me, eventually I want to know the inner workings of it so that I can speak knowledgeably about it. So right now, yeah, I'm actually running my first Facebook ads campaign for basically I'm giving away copies of my book and then people, you know, then people sign up and 
I'm growing my list in that way. I'm also on the same boat. I'm trying to figure out Facebook ads as well. I think it's definitely a different sort of ball game. And I agree. I I also feel like we have to learn it before we hand it off. Because for me, it's so important to understand what they're doing just in case anything happens. And also to understand what's going on. You know, I think that's so important to do with your own business. Yeah, it's and it's you know I'm finding it very fun and enjoyable just to just to think about this line of marketing and how people engage because I've clicked on ads on my Facebook and it have led me to eventually buying something. You know, I, I watch a video, I read about something, I get to know a new person who all of a sudden their ad came up and I never met them before, but all of a sudden now there's a real person behind it, a real business behind it. So now being on the other side, right? And and how do I want to build a relationship with people that I've never met before through these ads is, is kind of a fun way to think about it. <laughs> yeah, and to figure out their strategies, how they get people to click on their ads is also really fun. I think it's anything that we learn from, I think a lot of times as entrepreneurs, we're always trying to problem solve something. So the more you learn, the more you know, and the more money you make. Yeah. And one of the truisms I'm experiencing right now is that, you know, there are some best practices in marketing, but really marketing is an experiment. Let's see what works. So there's a huge space for playfulness there. Like, here's an idea that we have. Let's try it. And if it gains traction or if people are into it, you know, if you're doing a, a challenge or if you write a funny headline or whatever it, whatever it might be, there's a there's just a lot of sort of joyful playing that can happen in marketing. And what was that show? Mad Men? You know, in that show, he's like, imagine there's a guy, he's driving this car and he looks down at his watch, you know, and he's like painting the picture, but he's just kind of making it up. It's just this story that he's making up. And everyone's like, I love it. It's amazing. <laughs> you know, that's getting to experience that is really fun. Yeah. And seeing it come to life and then understanding if people are drawn to it or maybe you have to pivot and change strategy. So it is, it's really interesting to figure these things out. Now, Derek, let's fast forward to 30 to 40 years from now and you're looking back at your life. What legacy would you like to leave and what do you want to be remembered for? 40 years from now. Well, what I expect is kind of a different planet. And, you know, I I love my own entrepreneurship and I love helping other entrepreneurs. But ultimately, I think humanity uniting and sort of instead of all this separation we feel, you know, whether it's wars or politics or us versus them, this tribalism, I'd really like to have my work and the businesses of people that I'm coaching help people come together as a species. And I think this pandemic right now is really going to help see that we're we're all one, so to speak. We're all interconnected. We're all part of this same broader human experience. And, you know, ultimately, I'd like to be remembered for assisting in that in that process to move from sort of an egocentric based way of doing business or or living life to how can we serve others how can we experience joy and gratitude and and everybody get to you know daily experience 
their bliss, their their joy. And that's kind of what I see and you know what I'm trying to create in my own experience right now for my family, for my clients. And I think as entrepreneurs, we have this great position where we can have a business that will fund our purpose and our mission. And that's that's the way I see see a lot of it. You know, I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and they say, you know, I'm not I really not I just need enough money. I don't I'm not in this for the money. So money really then just becomes a tool. And if you grow your business, all of a sudden you can do more of the things that you really care about. And so that's you know that's that's what I love is just helping people with the tools to sort of really take their experience of being human to the next level. Yeah. But also another way to think about that, I think I hear this a lot from people, especially creatives, is that, yes, you are not doing it technically for the money, but in order for you to make a larger impact in the world, you have to create money. And it's not evil. It's what you do with it that would be evil. But the more you make, the more people you can actually help and the more you can be able to change the world in that sense. So whether you want to feed more people in the world, whether you want to create more jobs so that people can feed their families and create more impacts, I think is also something to think about. My friend and mentor, Derek Sivers, he said, money is doubly useful. It's useful first as an indicator that you're on the right track. So if you're doing something valuable, you're often rewarded financially. So, you know, if if your business isn't really serving what people actually need, it's not going to be as successful, right? So the more successful the business is in actually helping people, you're going to generate money. And then all of a sudden you have the money to help people. So it's like, it's valuable two times. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that what he said, you know, it definitely makes sense because he's right. (laughs) 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 So Derek, are you working on anything that is currently really exciting to you? Well, there's a project that, that I am really excited about, which is on pause right now because it involves a large group of people. But this is this came out of uh, a friend of mine was talking about if you want to make a contribution in, in the city I live in, St. Louis has a lot of uh, violent crime. There's a lot of uh, gun violence here. And I always it always bothered me and I always wished I could do something about it. But I was not really excited about trying to volunteer for some organization. And so it got me thinking, like, how can I align my interests with solving this problem? And for the last couple of years, I've been really exploring a lot of physics and metaphysics and how our thoughts create physical reality. And there's a bunch of science that shows exactly how our thoughts do do create reality, which is which is super cool. It's amazing. I didn't even realize that before. But my plan is and maybe this is going to happen already. You know, maybe it's maybe we're going to see a reduction in violence just because people aren't going outside. So maybe maybe it would already get taken care of and I wouldn't have to do this project. But the plan was to set up a giant sort of group intention experiment to see if we could reduce violence simply by focusing everybody's intention, like all the people in St. Louis that care about reducing violence, all at the same point in time. If we can have the same intention for reducing gun violence in our city, there's actually a bunch of experiments that they've done in prisons and other cities around the world. This has been shown to be effective. And so I wanted to bring that to my city of St. Louis with a special little little twist we're going to try to set the world record for the world's largest crystal grid 
and basically use the grid as an amplification mechanism. So this is just a big experiment that I was setting up and going to try here in my city. And so definitely, I think we'll do something like that once the uh, once the quarantine gets lifted. Yeah, I can't wait to see that and definitely keep us posted with that event and that information as well. So Derek, if our listeners want to know more about you, where can they find you? You can find everything that I do on DerekLoudermilk.com. And my podcast is The Art of Adventure. Perfect. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing your incredible story with us. Debbie, thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Derek. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get the extended interview with Derek where he shares his quantum leap to having more impact and how to push your limits to running a successful business. Hey listeners, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Lucky for you, I have created a new site that will help you learn how to launch, grow, and monetize your own show. I offer one-on-one mentorship programs and I'm launching an ebook, How to Create a Profitable Podcast, that can help you take your podcast from hobby to profitable business. Visit howtocreatepodcast.com to learn more. Again, that's howtocreatepodcast.com. See you there. Hey, listeners, thank you for listening to this episode, and I'm so thankful for your support. I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode and get suggestions on guests, topics we can discuss, and so much more. Feel free to reach out at hello at theoffbeatlife.com and let me know what you'd like to hear. If you like the show, don't forget to give us some love and review on iTunes. Thank you again for being a part of this journey, and I can't wait to hear how your location-independent story will unfold.